Stairwells episode 26 25 um <laughs> uh, i'm taking 49% of the blame for that um anyway wait i'm taking 49% of the blame for saying no you had highlighted on the spreadsheet episode 26 because you were talking about Tokyo Godfathers literally before we hit record you had highlighted episode 26 and so I'm taking 49% of the blame. No. Anyway, this is a movie podcast. I'm I'm Autumn. That's Neve. I almost called myself Neve and you, Autumn. I'm Neve. <laughs> That's Batman. <laughs> Here's He's Lemon Ollie. <laughs> if I say Lemon Ollie too fast, it just sounds like Molly. Oh. The thing that that happens often is that people think that I'm saying lemon and mm. Ollie. Mm. I can see that. Yeah. We'll be like, Lemon, that's a cute name for a cat. And I'm like, his name's not Lemon. <laughs> I think Nora and I are pretty decided on when we get cat, it's going to be Alucard and Dave Strider. Wait, I thought one of them was going to be the wizard. It might be Alucard and the wizard. I don't remember. We had a couple ideas bouncing around. Um... Might these days it might be Alucard and the Wizard. Anyway, um, I guess we just call him Al and Wiz for short. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Did you watch any movies? 
No, I was going to watch one today, but then I didn't. Yeah. Plans fell through. <clears throat> and so instead I read a book. <laughs> Why are you staring at me? Because <laughs> um, you were going to come over earlier. We were going to watch two movies. That's why. <laughs> and then you didn't. But you watched a movie. I watched a movie. Me. I got high yesterday and watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And that movie rips. Yeah. That movie's fucking good. <laughs> um, I watched this because my friends Crass Pants and Kim are really high on Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I believe they're both of the opinion that it is better than the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Um, in the immediate five minutes after I finished watching the movie, like, oh my god, they're totally right. That movie's better than the first movie. I, with 24 hours to sit on it. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is not as good as the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Let's not be ridiculous here. <laughs> the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a masterpiece. Um, for for people who are not familiar with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, it comes out like 10 or 12 years later, something like that. Um, written and directed by Toby Hooper again. Um, and it is... One of my friends, Aiden, um, and I, I had thought of a similar comparison while I was watching the movie even, had compared it to, like, The Evil Dead 2 to, um, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre being The Evil Dead 1. Uh, you know, a much... Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is still scary, but um, it is a much more lighthearted and bombastic movie. Um, it is, um, it seizes on the grossness of, like, the last 30 minutes or so of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and just, like, blows it up to make the whole movie about that. Um, it, um, it's just really fucking good. It's just got a bombast. It's got Dennis Hopper dressed like a cowboy. Um, it's got, um... What else does it have? It's got Texas. Or it's got uh, Dennis Hopper doing a bad Texas accent. Um, it's got a lady. <laughs> it's got a lady. She's hot. <laughs> Whoa! Slow down. <laughs> um, it's got Leatherface being an incompetent dork. Which was maybe the biggest, like, twist of the movie is, like... The, I guess, like, the first movie is just, like, actually scary, you know? It's, yeah. like, um, just scary in a, like, very normal way, I guess. We've all gone into, like, an abandoned building and been like, oh, what if there were fucked up evil guys here who were gonna kill me? What if there was an axe murderer lurking around the corner and Texas Chainsaw Massacre is preying on that fear? Um, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is so willing to just totally betray the first movie and, like, poke fun at, like, these incompetent loser dork cannibals living in a shack in Texas. (laughs) Yeah. Um it's just good. Um as for the stairwell, um I gave the first movie an S. Um the first movie 
really um, just hit it out of the goddamn park. And um, I guess my feeling about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is that one... We were getting, it was getting real down to the wire. I was like, there has not been a single stairwell in this movie. Or, or there had been stairwells. There's a scene, the, the main lady is um, a radio DJ, and there's a scene in the um, radio station where there's a stairwell featured prominently, and people are going up and down the stairwell, and there's someone's like chasing someone up the stairwell with a chainsaw, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah that's fine. There, there was something else, and I was like, ah, okay, that's a stairwell, that's fine. Um, but I was like, ah, this, this is kind of disappointing. The mo- the first movie came through with one of the biggest, like, most iconic stairwells in cinema, in my opinion. And you gave it an S. I gave it an S, and the second movie was not delivering until, in the last, like, five minutes, stretch the lady, um, she's escaping from the cannibal guys. And she um, is running away, and she runs up a huge staircase littered with skeletons. And up at the top is a shrine to the dead grandma. And the dead grandma has a chainsaw on her lap. And Stretch takes the chainsaw away from the skeleton grandma, kills the guy who was chasing her, and then, like, holds the chainsaw above her head and goes, Yeah! Fuck yeah! And she's the last shot of the movie is her standing at the top of a stairwell, covered in blood, holding a chainsaw over her head. Cut to credits. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I gave it an A. I think, you know, uh, if it weren't standing in the first movie Shadow, I think probably an A plus. But you know, yeah. I had a lot to I had a lot to follow up on, and I don't think it quite got there. So. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is a fucking incredible movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, while you were talking, I did add something to the spreadsheet. Yeah. If it sounded at any point like I was meandering or having a hard time remembering what the fuck I was talking about, that's because I have a hard time talking when there's just typing and shit going on. <laughs> were you just amazed at me just typing out, see all folk, just like... No, I just okay. I can't focus when there's the computer is moving around too much. Okay. And I'm not the one doing the movie. Yeah, I was going to say. Because <laughs> I scroll, but I do that. When other people make the computer move, I can't focus. Anyway. Okay. Well, <laughs> you so, were staring at me with contempt. So I... <laughs> I'm just saying those who live in glass houses should not throw stones. <laughs> um, anyway. Meow, meow. The... Uh, so the main reason why I haven't watched a movie is that, um, oh, I guess I can I can say this here again just to remind people: if you want to write into Ghost Divers, so we're doing an episode on uh, it's like our big New Year's Day special. So every year we're gonna do on January first like a an episode that's just like some non anime thing for Ghost Divers. Um, and so the first one we're doing Independent People, which is a book that I introduced Connor to that we both enjoy a lot. Um, but I've never like really discussed a bunch. Hmm. Um, were you about to start moving the screen? Around I, was, while I, was I just was trying to remember something, and then I realized maybe glass houses, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I've been reading that. So also, my toddler uh, 
their like daycare, their, the classroom at their daycare closed down for like three days because there was a stomach bug going through. Mm-hmm. Um, my toddler got it like very briefly, but it wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they get sent home for throwing up at school. So mm-hmm. that was fun. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, because of that, I'm like trying to catch up on the reading because I, I was watching a toddler more than I was planning to during mm-hmm. my free time when I would normally read. Um, and so literally like before you came over, I was reading a little mm. and the end of the last chapter was a, a dream sequence that involved an extremely long staircase going up a clock tower. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like opening up and then it was this bookseller uh, and it's like around the anxieties that, that the, the girl character, uh, Asta Solilia is having around like budding like because she's like 15 at this point so like you know budding interest in sexuality but like having no guidance at all on like Mm. how to express that or like what that means and just like feeling weird shame around it so she has like this weird nightmare about going to the church and there's this like extremely long staircase that she's just running up trying to escape from i think her dad and then gets to the top and it's the this bookseller who's like oh here's all the like modern books um, which include books about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like wakes up and screams. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I figured at the moment I was like, I should rate this on stairwells. And then I forgot about it until you were talking and I was gently ribbing you for not coming over to watch a movie earlier. <laughs> and then I read a book instead. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I put this in as book two because I was trying to figure out which year to do. Cause this was published as, two books hmm. um across two years uh, which i think was just kind of like a lot of yeah. Bloxness's books were like this hmm. um because they're a bit longer but anyway uh, so it is in book two which is 1935 but i gave it a, a b minus i think it could be a little bit better Bloxness is like very good at really drawing out the description of things in ways that are like it's like highly descriptive and not much action is happening but it's still interesting um, there's like this really prolonged sequence, uh, the beginning of like one of the sections where, um, Noni, the like littlest son is describing, um, like what mornings are like. And it's just like this long chapter about like waking up and who wakes up and making coffee and all of that. Um, and so it's not like exciting stuff is happening but there's like interesting things being revealed so i feel like loxness could have done a really interesting description of the stairs but it was kind of just described as being like a really long stairwell Mm -hmm. which he was running up and then got to the door um he could have drawn that that dream sequence out a lot more yeah so that's why i gave it a b minus okay um but it's still like tying into anxieties that she's having so we have discussed revolutionary girl utena as far as stairwells go yes. on this podcast before okay yeah. i i've been watching utena um uh we gave it an s the s stands i just thought it i was like if we did stairwells it would also or if we did elevators in addition to stairwells it would also have an s yeah because <laughs> you just finished the black rose saga yes. which has a very iconic elevator yes. scene for anime yeah that repeats the, a lot the the student council had its own elevator that's a pretty good elevator yeah but it pales in comparison to the black rose elevator yeah um, you also haven't gotten to the, another elevator yes i just finished the black rose saga yeah so if you are listening to this podcast and thinking about telling me 
about things that happen in the Akio Otori saga, don't. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're a big fan of the Otori Akio saga and wish there was a podcast that would talk about that at length, you can listen to Ghost Divers. The new the episode that's going to be covering that arc will be uh, Christmas Eve, December 24th, because it just worked out that way. Yeah. So... Um, um, I'm gonna be Merry on that. Christmas. <laughs> I'm gonna be on that adolescence of Utena episode, so that'll be yeah. fun. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say it now because I'm gonna make it happen. So okay, I watched five episodes in two days. I'll catch up. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. Onwards to Funeral Parade of Roses. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, 1969 movie. Directed by Toshio Matsumoto. Um, just recently passed away, 2017. I was surprised by that. Um, uh, yeah, the so they they took this down off of the Criterion channel. Like two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the copy that we got was reserved by some other... Mm-hmm. I forget what it was. but The Japanese... The post-war Japanese uh, motion picture archive... Was, yeah, which I just noticed in the credits because I thought that was a very funny, very wordy, very descriptive. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and that so that version had a, a like in memory of mm-hmm. at the end. Um, <sighs> pardon Funeral me. Parade of Roses. Funeral Parade of Roses. So here's the thing about this movie. Um, I've talked, um, a few times about, like, there's, there's been a couple movies I've had this with, say, um, Mulholland Drive, uh, the first time I watched that, or There Will Be Blood, or Persona, the Ingmar Bergman movie, where I watch it one time, and I'm like, have whatever opinion I have on it, but I feel like I haven't those are all movies that I feel like I haven't seen until I see it a second time. And I had that feeling with this movie where I'm like, I, I need to see this a second time to be able to like talk about it (laughs) at all. Because the first time, this first time through, I spent so much of it just trying to absorb and piece together. Like what is happening? Like so much energy is spent on just like putting together the, who, what, when sort of stuff. Yeah, because they jump around through time extensively. Yes. Um, and, like, return to things. like, and, and they blur the lines between, like, fiction and, and not reality, but a sort of, like, presented reality. I mean, know? some of it, I think, is... There's the parts that feel the most documentary, which is when they're just interviewing the, the cast. Yes. And they're like, what do you think about your character? Yeah. And, like how long have you been a gay boy? And yeah. again, like I said, this one, I briefly talked about this, but they say the English word gay boy. Yeah. Um, like they say in English, gay boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, like when, when, you know, would you ever stop being a gay boy? And all of them are just like, mm-hmm. what, what is this? <laughs> 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 but no? also, also the, the, there are moments and I feel like we're getting kind of in the weeds and we should talk about like yeah. broadly summarize. But like it's I, just to talk about the way that this movie that kind of blends reality and fiction still is um, 
there are moments where those interviews are still, I think, part of the fiction of the movie because, like, they film a sex scene with one character and then this other character that she has a rivalry with is the actor is interviewed and the actor is clearly feeling upset about the sex scene and it's like... Well, the, the actor wouldn't have any reason to feel upset about the sex scene, but the character would have all the reason yeah. in the world to feel upset about the sex scene. And so, like, what is, like, where does the character end and the, the quote-unquote reality begin? I think that's, like, an important yeah. part of this movie, and it's going to make it hard for me to talk about because I'm still, like, I, I want to see it all again now that I know the shape of it so that I can, like, you know, sort of see what it's doing a little better. But we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it, yeah. Um, I don't know. There, there's a plot synopsis here on Wikipedia. I don't know if I want to go through all of it. I can, I can try it because I've seen it twice now. Yeah, I can try and do like a breakdown. Yeah. Um. So we kind of there's like multiple layers of the story. Mm-hmm. Um. And the main the, the, that we start with is so the main character Eddie. Mm-hmm. Um. She is like leaving with this. Well, we start with like kind of a sex scene of of her and this guy. Yeah. Um. And then. Like them just talking in a hotel room and then leaving, and then the the madam of the like gay bar mm-hmm. sees them leaving, and we kind of learn that like the guy is also sleeping with the madam, mm-hmm. and there's like this jealousy stuff happening. Yeah. Um. In particular, the madam is like jealous of Eddie. Yeah. It's not really as much like Eddie. Yeah. Being super jealous of of yeah. madam. <clears throat> um. And. This guy um, seems to be, it's kind of unclear because there's a lot of stuff that goes unspoken, but like it's also very clear like what's happening. Mm -hmm. This guy, um, I think, is funding the bar in some way through, because he is like selling drugs. And I think he like is bankrolling this gay bar through selling drugs um, because he has some sort of decision about like, he can decide to fire um, the woman who whose name I'm forgetting, who is the currently... madam. Yeah, who is currently the madam. Yeah, I forget... Well, so they say rabbit at one point, but I don't know if that's... I think that was the, the actor? Yeah. Anyway. Um, um, Leda, Leda, I think. Yes. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm going to fire Leda and put make Eddie the madam. Um, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, like that's the that's the other and like Eddie is like, sure, I'll be the madam. Um yeah. she doesn't care that much, you know. Yeah. Um and so then so the, the there's also then multiple scenes of just like there's scenes at the the bar where it's just kind of like here's a little bit of what like a show might be. A lot of it is kind of mm-hmm. um it's almost like the the performance, but like where they're kind of just in the middle of the room and they're just like moving about through the tables. It's mm-hmm. like that vibe. Um, it's not like a, a stage, yeah. Really. Um, but there's like singing and stuff. We get some of that. Um, we get lots of like shots of them having this big party where they're like doing drugs and you know eventually stripping each other and mm-hmm. it just like devolves into dancing and towards the very end, presumably like orgy. Yeah. It, it kind of ends with them, like, falling on each other. I was kind of surprised we didn't just get a really long, explicit sex scene there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is the energy it's building toward. Yeah. Um, and so so there's that stuff that's, like... 
That stuff in particular kind of just feels like it's just like, yeah, this is like what we do. But it, they're also kind of filming it as part of like, this is what the characters are doing. It feels sometimes like it's not, I don't think this is the entirety of what it's doing, but I think it's trying to do like, here is one day in Eddie's life. Yeah. And like, that's why some of this, some of the scenes pertain so heavily to this like plot stuff about the, the jealousy uh, of Leda and this drug dealer who's going to like replace her. Um, and some of the scenes don't relate to that at all because, you know, when you just live your day to day life, sometimes you're, you know, doing a thing that would relate to like the plot. If someone was going to make a movie about your life, you know, um, yeah. and sometimes you're just like, yeah, then I had dinner. So th- that yeah, then I went to a party. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and there's just like things intercut of like going to an art museum, mm-hmm. um, like getting in a fight with some cis girls at the mall because yeah. they called you fags <laughs> and you called them two bit whores. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. There's there's a lot of just like little. There's that making like film and then people watching it and it being like the films that are being made are the weird experimental parts of this film. And mm-hmm. then characters being like, I don't get it. Or like <laughs> I was watching it and I kind of felt like when I'm high and then someone else is like, yeah, but I actually just prefer getting high <laughs> to watching this. Like it's better to just get high. There is. Yeah. There's a lengthy, like unexplained sequence of like, like the, a negative of like a girl like screaming and like rolling back and forth, uh, maybe having sex. And then it's like intercut with a bunch of other random images that seem to sort of sync up with the music, but the music doesn't sound like music. The music sounds like a real song being played backward. Yeah. But the cuts sync sort of with this backward music. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then someone turns on the lights and then everybody's like, Man, Guevara's making another one of those weirdo movies. Yeah. Okay, let's all be nice about it because he sells drugs and we want <laughs> yeah. the drugs. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, there, there's a lot of stuff in here that's like almost like I think that this movie comments on itself a lot. Yeah. Which is part of the strength of it to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, and so then there's this other layer, which is that it's also a, a very loose adaptation of Oedipus Rex. Yeah. Um, which the movie, like, is very heavy-handed about in many moments. Yes. Including one where Eddie is standing in front of a bunch of posters for the Japanese release of Oedipus Rex. <laughs> um, <laughs> which we looked up because, um, mm-hmm. like, I know a little bit of Japanese and Emily knows more. And mm-hmm. so there's, like... And it was just like, you know, Aporon. <laughs> yeah. No. And I was like, well, I think that's for L because um, I play Shimigami Tensei. So I know <laughs> <laughs> I <the> characters for L. <laughs> um, and so then we looked it up. Fucking um, And it was the, yeah, it was just the Japanese poster for Oedipus Rex, the, the like, American movie. Mm. Um, anyway. Um, so... You're just looking at me like... <laughs> anyway. The SMT comment just undid Yeah. Me. That's all. <laughs> anyway. Um, um, and, like, there's just lots of other heavy-handed stuff that's pointed out. There's, like... So we get these shots back to when uh, Eddie was, like, younger. Yeah. And, and living I, with her mom. I think what's being implied is that 
she got high and is having these flashbacks to this time when she was younger. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, but we're basically never like, to me. was, <laughs> was basically like, uh, I mean, the big thing was like, you know, wanted her father to come back basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once came home and her mom was like with some other guy. Yeah. Also, um, and then is... murdered the guy and you you finish. Yeah, murdered the guy and her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then important detail here is that she has one picture of her, her mom, and her dad, and she's burned out the picture of her dad. Like she's put a cigarette out in the part that has her dad's face, yeah. so she can't see her dad's. I don't face. know. I don't know if it was Eddie or Eddie's mom, but somebody it probably did. would be Eddie's mom. I yeah. I assume. Six-year-old Eddie is not um, smoking yeah, cigarettes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I wasn't smoking at six, but <laughs> but my parents were smoking around me constantly when I was six. So, yeah. um, anyway, and then it's revealed at the end that the the guy who like runs the gay bar basically, mm. who's dealing the drugs or whatever. And is the one who's like sleeping with Eddie and also Madam, who, oh, Madam also dies when she yeah, uh, she gets, gets fired or something. She gets fired and she gets so jealous that she um, kills herself. Um, and it's a very sad scene. And um, one of the things that they see, um, this is like very heavy handed that this is about um, th- this drug dealer guy and Eddie um, there's like two little dolls and one of them has like nails driven through its eyes and one of them has a nail driven through its chest. Yeah. Um, um, and so at the very end, uh, he finds the photo yeah. that Eddie has uh, with the like burn through cigarette, but obviously recognizes his wife and kid. Yeah. Um, and then kills himself and then Eddie goes in and sees or understands whatever and, yeah. and then stabs her eyes out and then runs out into the street where a bunch of cis people look and it's like look cis people this is what you want <laughs> trans suffering <laughs> um, yeah anyway I feel like that's a rough synopsis yeah. again all of this is like mixed around through yeah. time and it, it and then again there's this whole intercutting of like interviews and yeah you know, um, movie's fucking good <laughs> Yeah, did you, really did you like it more than Let Me Die, Woman? Shut the fuck up. Is it a, is it a better Shut woman? Shut the fuck up. Is it a, Shut the fuck up. <laughs> is it a better Shut movie? the fuck up. <laughs> is it a better movie about trans people? Is it? Shut the fuck up. A better movie. Shut the fuck up. Made before Shut Let Me Die, Woman. <laughs> I never said Let Me Die, a Woman was going to be better. I just thought Let Me Die, a Woman was going to be fun yeah that's all i thought i did not think it was going to be art i thought it would be an enjoyable way to spend an evening here's the reason why when you're like one that you wanted to do let me die a woman and then i was like okay i want to follow it up with like an older film that's about gay people Mm -hmm. and i figured it would either be funeral parade of roses or mage in uniform and the reason being is because I kind of knew what Let Me Die a Woman was going to be. And I, I'm sort of glad. Like, the main hesitation I had was that I just didn't want to do a Japanese movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad that you forced my hand on that part and that people can't be mad at me. But I'm glad we got to watch the trans one, too, because yeah. 
I do still feel like it is instructive to be like, yes, here's this thing that we watched that was from 77 or 8 or whatever. I've seen, I've seen both. Mm-hmm. For Let Me Die a Woman. Was, oh, yeah. Was, yeah, like, you know, late 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and now let's watch something from earlier mm-hmm. and how it's handled differently and better and more interestingly. And then we can actually, we can think about why it might be different too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the biggest thing is like, there's just so much involvement from the actual crew people here. Yeah. And in a way where like people are just having fun. There yes. are scenes where they're just having fun. Like even the part where <sighs> like they are like, you know, the, the, the guy and then Eddie, mm-hmm. like, you know, the guy killing himself and bleeding. And then like Eddie, like stabbing her eyes out. Like they seem to be having fun shooting this. Yeah. In a way that just like, I don't think any of the trans people and let me die a woman were having fun at any yeah. point in that film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and well, I'm, so- I'm going to bring this thing up too, just as like a, an additional like illustration of this. When I was trying to find audio mm-hmm. t- when I was editing for the beginning of the last episode, uh-huh. with let me die a woman. Um, I found someone had done an edit of the movie where they cut out every single frame where you either saw or heard a man. Mm-hmm. They just went like frame by frame. And if you could hear a guy talking or could see a guy in the frame, mm-hmm. they would cut those frames out. Mm-hmm. And it was like 12 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, I, like, I just think the fact that like most of this is actually like these you know, queer, trans, you uh-huh. know, the, the, the difference here is far blurrier than it, I think it is in like modern yeah. American understanding of these things. But like mm. most of it is like queer people yeah, talking and being on screen mm-hmm. um, and not having some like, the other thing I found out is I thought that it was just a porn actor. That was an actual doctor. The guy was an actual doctor. That's crazy to me. Yeah. That's absolutely fucking insane. <laughs> but, you know, just having some cis doctor be like, let yeah. me explain to you this stuff about these other people's experience. It, it, so, okay. So here's the thing about Funeral Parade of Roses is that, like, I think if I was, I think you can watch the ending and you can take it in the context of a few other things in the movie. um, And you can, like... I can make a read of this movie. Like, literally, after Eddie, like, stabs her eyes out, you get an, like, intercut with her stabbing her eyes out before she walks downstairs is, like, a film critic or, like, presenter guy being, like, what a sensational picture, you know? Like, cruelty and laughter and, um, you know, despair. Uh, Anyway, we'll see you in the next... Yeah, come back for the next movie. (laughs) Yeah, like, go grab your popcorn and come on back. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, Like, I think you can see that scene. uh, And and there is a... There is, like, a visual motif sometimes of, like, um, a bunch of, like, people... Like, people's backs turn to the camera, so you just see their bare asses and, like, legs and, like, whole bodies. And one of them has a... Like yeah, rose, or or sometimes all of them have like roses, yeah. like between their legs. Um, Which is so, Bara mm-hmm. Rose is like even at the time, people might know this if they're like interested in the style of uh, like Persona gay games. anime stuff, <laughs> where uh, it's like buff dude. Because now Bara is mostly applied to like masculine gay 
mm-hmm. stuff coming from Japan. Um, but it's kind of just historically a term for like gay men. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, or not, if it's like actually the, the root of it, but, um, there's at least a, and I think they're referencing it here. There's like at, at the very least apocryphal, if not actually true origin story for it, of uh, it being because when you have anal sex, then the like asshole can look like a rose from mm-hmm. the, the friction. Okay. Um, um, so I think that's what they're referencing by having the roses like, you know, right where their buttholes would be. Yeah. So like, and I think part of the, 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 um, thing that's happening with that motif as it's intercut in this final scene, um, and she runs out into the street and this crowd of people gathers around her to see her with her eyes gouged out. And you can make a read of this being, like you said, um, like, look, the audiences, crowds just want to see queer suffering. And I think you can make a read when you take it in the context of like party scenes, like earlier and club scenes that like queer life is actually fun and enjoyable. You get high and you make movies with your friends and you have sex. And like, that's a great time. (laughs) You know, people are enjoying this. Um, But that's not what cis audiences want to see. Cis audiences want to see the scandal. Yeah. Um, and they want it to be tied to like high art and to like yeah. senses of like Western things mm-hmm. as well. I think is part of what's happening here. Yeah. By by tying it to Oedipus Rex. Yeah. They are both tying it to like the sense of high art. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. are also tying it to the West mm-hmm. in a way that like I don't know if this film is actually necessarily saying that everything happening here is like a uniquely Western influence or something. Yeah. And I and I guess I just want to say that, like, I think that is a totally, like, valid reading of the film that the film wants you to take away. And I also don't want to reduce the entire movie to the stuff that happens in the last 10 minutes, because I think it's like a, a textured, like, layered movie that's got a lot of stuff going on throughout. Yeah. And I think it, like, purposefully has this sort of, like, flashy ending that's, like, easy to read to give you something to hang on to after like uh, the first 90 minutes are like, man, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I think, I mean, part of it too, though, for me is I think there's a certain amount to which there are, and I, I think it existed in Japan as well at the time, but this is also like existed in the West. There's like ideas of deviant sexuality and this kind of sexuality being grouped in with, I think I may have finished the water. Damn. Um, this kind of, you know, like homosexuality and, and queerness being grouped in with like incest and things. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's also a certain amount of them like laughing at that almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think another key moment, if you're like trying to read this like Oedipus Rex thing, mm-hmm. which seems to be like, it has this regressive reading of like, oh, these queer people, it's because of like, abuse and you know Mm -hmm. maybe like something happened to them when they were a kid because of their father or whatever or Mm -hmm. you know um like they were sexually abused these sorts of of things around queer people which you know there's there's like causality versus like yeah correlation where sometimes queer kids are just more likely to be like the subject of abuse but anyway i think it's like sort of addressing this, but almost laughing at it and being like, this is what you like the cis people who are watching. This This is what you think that like 
this is. It's like tragedy and it's like mm-hmm. incest and abuse and murder and all of this. And, you know, it's all terrible. Um, and we're going to like have it here at the end for you. But mm-hmm. we're also going to do it in this way that's like mocking it. That this mm-hmm. is what you want. And then that also being framed by the the interview with mm-hmm. Peter, the the person who plays um, Eddie. Yeah. Um, and so I think Peter would use he pronouns. Mm-hmm. This stuff is all murky, but Eddie uses she, and I I believe Peter uses he. Yeah. The the vibe I get, and again, this is like putting modern mm-hmm. American terminology onto people that like aren't just didn't subscribe yeah. to that like framework. Yeah, but I think like Peter would be more what people now would consider a drag queen, whereas like. Eddie seems to be in the film more intentionally like we would think of as trans women. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like that distinction just isn't the same for them because yeah. there's the interview with Peter and he's just like, yeah, like I, I'm basically this person. Mm-hmm. Like I really identify with the lifestyle. Um, mm-hmm. Like she's basically me, like in terms of personality, the only part that like I don't identify with at all that I like, can't sympathize with is this incest part yeah i um, mean like specifically like the whole oedipus rex thing being like yeah this part is like this is not what my life was but like having a weird relationship with your mom i get that yeah yeah yeah, yeah she... i also sometimes feel like like i can kind of relate to it in this way of like and you know peter's not saying it mm. in this way but what i'm reading into is like yeah sometimes i kind of feel like i killed my mom like I do something that's kind of I didn't actually kill my mom and like I don't have this like incest thing going on but sometimes I kind of feel like I killed my mom yeah I had to like in a way within my own mind kill my mom yeah to be this person who I am right now yeah um yeah I feel like there's a little bit of that there's <laughs> like a little bit of like yeah I can kind of identify with like this part of it mm-hmm. you know well and I think also the like... part where my mom sucks <laughs> <laughs> I th- I think that interview does like a lot to complicate like the the sort of like easy reading of the ending and I also think like other interviews so they do under- other interviews with other actors and it's like yeah I love being gay I'm not going to ever stop being gay or you know it's hard sometimes but you know it's the life I chose and I enjoy it blah 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 um they even get like a person who I I don't maybe she's in the movie maybe she's not who's just like she may have been in the party scene. Yeah. There there are, like, two people who I think are, like, on hormones, but you don't get good looks of their at their faces. Yeah. During the party scene, and she might be one of them. Yeah. So they remember they're interviewing does seem to be on, like, hormones and have had surgery or something. Yeah. So this, this girl like, they're interviewing yeah. is, like, they're, like, well, do you like being uh, a gay boy? And she's, like... Uh. not yeah (laughs) and and they're like well why are you and she's like i don't i I chose to be i don't have a i don't have a reason (laughs) yeah i don't have a reason and they're and they're like well what do you want for your future and she's like i don't want anything for my future (laughs) yeah i don't like i'm doing this right now like i don't (laughs) Listen, I'm like trans in Japan in 1969. I don't have fucking any idea what my future's gonna be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, definitely the vibe in that one. Yeah, it's good. Um, I, I I I appreciated having that like perspective in the movie because like there are some days where I'm like, you know, if I think back to this time 
when I was six years old and I really wanted to get my fingernails painted. And obviously, now that I think about this memory, it's so clear I was gay the whole time. And some days I wake up and I'm like, well, I was trans yesterday, so I guess I'll keep being trans today. (laughs) I also like, I think it's, um, I forget who it's in an interview with, but um, like it might even be the the person who plays Leda. Mm -hmm. There's one where they're like um, asking stuff like, Basically, she's saying things about, like, yeah, like, I do this because, like, I feel like a woman. Like, yeah. I like being a woman. Yeah. Um, and they're like, so do you want to become a real woman? And she's like, I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I identify with that. The, I like being a trans woman specifically. Like, the, the, the interview with her really just, like, hit me where I live, where I was just, like, where she's just like, yeah, I just feel like it. And so I do it. And I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah. Do you want to be a? Do you want to be a real woman? Quite, well, quite a, no. Mm, real woman? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're bringing we're bringing real into the oh <laughs> bad vibes. Uh. <laughs> um. Yeah, I just liked seeing like I you know um this is like a thing that I like. No is not true now in 2021. Yeah. But sometimes when I, like, think back to, like, what it must have been like to be queer in, like, decades past and stuff, I'm like, well, I know that people have all sorts of different feelings and reasons to be trans, but, like, back then they probably just didn't have, like, the words for it that I do, and so that's probably why there's, like, such this monolithic idea of being trans, you know, that like, oh, you were born this way and you, you know, you knew since you were little and blah, 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 blah. It's nice to see something like this old sort of present like all these like varied perspectives on stuff because and like all these people living a similar lifestyle, but very different lives. You know, it's just like, oh, you know, even in 1969, a person could live a like full life as a queer person that had like stuff going on i i sometimes like i imagine what it must have been like to be trans in 1969 i'm like well just everywhere you like you would have woken up every morning and been harassed by the police and then you would have gone to the store and gotten beaten to death yeah (laughs) you know like that's what i imagine is just this like sort of like melodramatic like um terror and you know not to take away we still get like a shot of like two guys harassing Eddie on the street. We mm-hmm. get like the guy who tries to grab the Madame's hand, the yeah. lady's hand on the street. Yeah. Um. So we like we get a little bit of like, yeah, this is part of it. But also we just get like, yeah, I'm gonna do my makeup and we're gonna go to the salon. Yeah. Like, Which is like, also, you know, I get harassed sometimes. I get called slurs sometimes. Most of the time, that's not happening. Most of the time, I'm at the Osco being like, damn, they've got. Two gallons of I, milk for $4? You can't call it the Osco on the podcast. This goes... People listen to this, Autumn. It's the jewel. You don't buy... Anyway. You, you got your flu shot at the Osco. I you wanted didn't buy milk at the Osco. It's I wanted, the jewel. I wanted to get my flu shot at the Osco. I didn't get my flu shot because they weren't taking walk-ins. Anyway. I'm going to try to go tomorrow. Well, I don't know. I'm busy tomorrow. Anyway. This, this is the most infuriating thing you do since moving to Chicago. Is call Jewel the Osco. <laughs> anyway. 
<laughs> um, yeah, like most of the time, like my life just isn't like that. I just, you know, yeah. am alive and I do stuff. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's nice to see that that was also true in 1969. Yeah. Well, and this is like not to continue to return to the let me die a woman well, mm. but like. You love that movie. I understand why. So much of that is invested in this medicalized perspective of transness and trying to, like, you know, validate it for people. We have a cat trying to break in. Um, hi. Um, yeah, like, trying to, like, validate that, but in the process, like, creating these definitions of it that are narrowing. Mm-hmm. Where all of the interviews, like everything has to like conform to this narrative, which there are probably people in there who may not even have this narrative, but are telling this narrative because it's what they need to access. Like, you know, this legitimacy and like the surgeries and things. They're like, yes, I was born, you know, I was born this way. I always felt this way, blah, blah, blah. And they like have to take their experiences and condense it. And we get this version that is like, Made by Doris Wishman, who's a cis woman, mm-hmm. primarily with stuff from the cis doctor that's like, here's what it means to be a trans person. We cis people are going to explain it to you. And we're going to have this like, here's this like constrained version because this is the version that like we want because then we can like still control this and have it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it becomes this like very medicalized and like very limited and defined this is like not a medicalized perspective. Mm-hmm. Like uh funeral parade of roses is not a medicalized perspective. There's like no parts about like, here's the hormones and the effects of the hormones on the mm-hmm. body or the surgeries that they're taking. It's literally just like, here are like these people that have like a different lifestyle than mm-hmm. most people. Yeah. Um, And there's a certain amount to which like stuff like in the U S there is pushes against this, like, oh, it's a lifestyle because, like, it's a lifestyle with something that you could change. And yet, like, this movie is taking more of that perspective and yet feels to be more genuinely showing us, like, queer experiences and capturing it and expressing it. And, like, despite the fact that terminology has changed, the way that people would talk about and think about this stuff has changed, this movie just feels so much more actually genuine to, like, the experiences that I have in this way of like, yeah, like there's just all kinds of different queer people who have different thoughts about like, yeah. Why they are that way. Yeah. And I, it's, <clears throat> I like, I find it better. Yeah. Um, cause honestly, I'm the perspective of like, yeah, like I did it to some degree, choose to be trans. Mm. Um, there's a certain amount to which it's like, yeah, I, I didn't fully choose it, but like I did. Yeah. I, I could have like chosen to like push it down and, yeah. You know, just kept being a cis boy mm. and stuff to like conform. Mm. I like I chose to do something that was like yeah. what I wanted to to be and to do. Yeah. And that choice is valid. Yeah. And I think that's a better way of thinking about it than like oh I was born this way and so like I need this stuff because I was born this way. Mm-hmm. Because that framing puts on it like oh no one would choose this. Mm-hmm. aren't these pitiful creatures who are born this way we must take pity on them and let mm-hmm. them exist mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. and that's just like a, a very terrible way to think about like who you are yeah the the, the closest <clears throat> that this movie gets to 
I think presenting sort of, you know, the view of the the filmmakers or the director on like what transness is, is there's a sequence um, that gets revisited a couple times, but it's mostly early on, like the longest part of the sequence where um, like Eddie is in some room and there's like a tape recorder playing. Um, and there's like a bunch of weird paintings. Yeah, on the this wall. is like the art museum thing. Yeah, yeah, it's the art museum. And she's tripping, and she's like not really like having a good time. And this tape recorder is playing this thing about like, you know, um, really people are the masks that we wear, and and you know, like when you speak to another person, you're sort of presenting to them the person that you want to be. You're wearing a mask. And they're also wearing a mask. They're presenting the person that they want to be to you. And so you're both seeing masks and there's a mask created like between you of like what this interaction is and masks, 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 masks. And this is like where I joked like, oh, I love Ingmar Bergman's 1966 film Persona. Yeah. <laughs> and I joked, oh, I love Persona 5. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, um, God damn, cat. Um, I I don't think the film is presenting this as like the perspective on transness. I think it is just presenting like, you know, I don't think it's an accident that this is a movie that has this sort of like, has these sorts of ideas percolating about like uh, people, um, like, a person's nature is what you perceive a person's nature to be. And your nature is what other people perceive your nature to be. Yeah. You know? And they're like, this is happening in the art museum, but it's also getting tied in by the way that like, as we were talking previously, the like character to actor is becoming blurred. There are interviews where it's unclear. Is this actually a genuine interview with the actor or are they still kind of playing the character? There are parts where they are playing the character, but then people are asking them like, oh, how's the movie going or Mm. whatever, like in the bar. And they're just like talking about it while they're in character. And And like the thing that I thought was so compelling about that scene is that like, you know, you're watching this movie and, and it's so clear, like what this sort of thing could mean in a movie about trans people that like, you know, it is so clear that like the movie is saying, well, womanhood is the presentation of womanhood. And that if you wear the mask of being a woman then you, and other people perceive you that way, then you are a woman, you know, like it's so obvious, but it is also like a thing that I think the movie like, or this tape recorder, this narration plays sort of broadly enough that when you think about it, you know, you as a cis audience member might be like, well, damn, if that's true of trans people, there's nothing that says it's not also true of me because it's saying yeah. that everyone's this way. And and my own manhood or my own womanhood is also just other people perceiving that about me, you know? Yeah. And I think I just think it's interesting the way that, like, the movie, like, the closest it gets to any sort of, like, defining perspective or, or the closest it gets to sort of, like, presenting a sort of psychology of transness is this thing that is broadly applicable to all people and to all characters in the movie beyond just their transness, you know, like, yeah, 
the the um you know this guy was fine with fucking Eddie until he found out that that was his son yeah. and then you know as soon as the perception changes time to cut your own throat yeah <laughs> um yeah um there was another thing I wanted to talk about that is not related to what I was saying at all so if you have anything related to what I was saying go for it um yeah no like I I think I agree with that like I do think that this film is taking a perspective that this is like the way that all people operate yeah um which I yeah I think is also again like this movie feels so much more like actually genuine and interesting to me about like what it means to be a queer person or to be trans than like a lot of other stuff that you would expect from this time because it is just like no like literally like everyone is presenting a version of themselves Mm -hmm. um it's doing the whole like you know we are all like actors on a stage thing Mm -hmm. right it's doing the like everybody's in drag thing but more interesting and not from rupaul who <laughs> does fracking <laughs> rupaul fracks anyway i remember i had a i had a siske co-worker come up to me one day and just be like a siske co-worker who i had told many times I'm like i don't care for rupaul or her show or her politics please stop talking about her around me all the time yeah and this co-worker was just like can you believe they're trying to cancel for RuPaul just because she does fracking? What are they going to think of next? <laughs> and I was just like, come on. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, like this stuff all has its roots. Mm-hmm. Like long before like the trans liber- liberationist thought stuff that mm-hmm. I like move in. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, exciting and fun to watch it in this movie even though this movie's like Mm. still messy and weird Mm. but like i don't know like that messiness is is interesting and worthwhile i think in a way that not to be like let queer people be messy because there's also the ways that that can be like used to enable abuse and things yeah that's like a sentiment that i agree with that i also then see like let queer people be messy i.e let me verbally abuse my partner (laughs) yeah um so but like this is just a a work that i think is like playing in the actual ambiguity of a lot of this stuff um Mm -hmm. in the way that like when you try and concretize it Mm. in something like let me die woman it is actually like detrimental overall Mm. um because to like pull from uh munos like queerness is this like ineffable thing Mm -hmm. like it i think the way that like he's writing in cruising utopia is almost this thing of like the the normalization of like the the beautiful like you know cis straight gay male couple who has a white picket fence and adopts like Mm. 2.5 kids is no longer queer Mm. in the way that like he's talking about in cruising utopia Mm -hmm. because queerness is always the thing that's like at the edges that is the thing that is like hard to define that that like as you define it queerness actually slips out of that definition Mm -hmm. and like will continually be like the way that he talks about queerness is something that is like continually kind of beyond efforts to like fully contain it within language Mm -hmm. um and so then we have this word queer that's kind of like mm-hmm. not actually that useful but is only useful for pointing at the thing that you can't define yeah um 
he's specifically like interested in thinking and talking about that and this is like a a movie that's working in that space in a way that yeah. is interesting and, yeah. and and fun that i enjoy yeah um it also must be stressed stressed this movie's a lot of fun um this movie like if you are the sort of person who cares about like Ingmar Bergman movies from the 60s or French New Wave or Japanese New Wave. Like, it's just doing all that sort of, like, formalistic, like, playing around with, like, here's all these, like, cutting and, oh, we're going to intercut this random image and you can't even totally make it out, but you're going to associate that image with what's happening on screen now. And, like, you know, film is so much about not a a script delivering a plot to you but images associated with one another um and what do those what do those associations create for you the viewer and what do you think about the ways that these images are associated yeah um which is it's it's a like form uh this is a movie that like I, I enjoy, but also if I just always watch movies that are, like, fully like this in terms of, like, how much they're just cutting and jumping around between things, I just lose my goddamn mind. <laughs> like, um, you can't just, like, live in this space constantly. But, I've tried. I, yeah. I tried so hard, and I burnt myself out on movies um, for a long time. But, like, yeah, so... And, like, this is... A, like, I like this movie a lot. I, I love this movie for, like, what it is, what it's doing. Um how it exists as like this, this look into this queer nightlife in Japan in the sixties that is just like, like, I feel like there's not a lot else that's documenting it in this way. Um, and so there's just like a value in that. This movie is also kind of long. I was watching it the second time, especially where I'd mm-hmm. already seen it once. And I was, there's some stuff I was getting because I was watching the second time where I was like, Oh, I'm no longer thinking about what the hell's going on with like this intercut plot or whatever and like mm-hmm. why are we jumping back here in time because now i had it like in my head i had like the yeah. timeline in my head um and so there's just parts where i was just like okay like yeah we can this movies an hour 45 and it feels you, you like can, two hours yeah you, you know we can we can like move past this a little bit yeah. i don't do i don't know if we need this part where we return to like this moment in time and yeah. stuff um so like but i yeah. still really like it yeah I, I went to, I rated it four and a half stars on Letterboxd when I first watched it, and I went to put it back in, and I was like, I feel like it's actually still that, even, yeah. even though also, like, I probably don't want to watch this movie again for a while, but... Can I talk about my favorite scene that yeah. has nothing to do with <clears throat> anything we've talked about so far? Yeah. Um, one, uh, Eddie is, like, putting on her makeup in the morning, and one of her friends comes over who's more masculine presenting don't know what their deal is maybe just some gay like cis gay friend or something i don't know anyway it doesn't matter um and like this friend was at some sort of like protest and was like you know the education system is like you know corrupting the youths and making them think all these things and he's like a leftist like protester and organizer and activist and he comes over to Eddie's and Eddie's like putting on her makeup and she's like why do you do those things it's so dangerous like the police could come after you or you know like if there was a riot they would like arrest yeah. you but all these sorts of and things and like you know some of it too is almost this like you're like anti-violence but then why are you doing the stuff that's like leading to violence yeah yeah, yeah. um 
and and suddenly like camera like three inches from his face as he's like starts delivering like a diatribe about yeah. like you know you have to think about like my violence today doesn't matter as long as my violence is like you know leading toward the end of violence and um you know you have to think about things logically you have to be practical about like the revolution will come but people have to make it and blah 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 <laughs> <laughs> and Eddie is just like all right, that's cool. (laughs) And this just felt like the most true to life thing to me. Where (laughs) it's just scrolling. It's just like scrolling Twitter. And there's like the one person who's just like constantly posting about like, you know, I've been labor organizing and whatever. And then you just like scroll to the other person who's like, you know, my makeup's looking really cute today. I'm hoping to suck a dick or something. And you're like, yeah, yeah. You're just like, Like, the, the, I, probably for, like, real reasons, like, out-of-film reasons, like, that that person is probably, like, an actual Marxist-Leninist, and they can't, like, say Marxist-Leninist shit in the movie, but, like, that's what is being represented here. Yeah. And it just felt very true to life that some days you talk to your friend, and they're, like, really on the, like hardcore Leninism shit like we gotta organize we gotta do this I've been that person and some days you're Eddie and you're just like man can we go can we go yeah (laughs) I'm trying to eat (laughs) like I just I just did my makeup and I I was kind of hoping people could see me in it because I I really nailed the wings this time yeah And, and also I think it's important that like like I think it's important to be the person who wants to like organize and like make change in the world, and I think it is also important to recognize that we can't all be that person one hundred percent of the time, even if we should all be that person some of the time. You yeah. know. <laughs> um. Um. Yeah. No, that that is a great scene. Also, it is definitely so. Again, like I have a friend who does leftist organizing stuff in Japan now. Um, and like anti-militarism is a really big part of it because of how much like militarism in Japan is tied up in like the fascistic movements, Uh um, which is sort of true in the U S but I feel like it's like even more intense in Japan because Mm -hmm. like one of the big things is we need to remilitarize because of like after world war Mm two, like they're not allowed. The world was split into two East and, (laughs) (laughs) um, but like, you know, it's not allowed like Japan is not allowed to have military. Mm. And so like ideas around remilitarization around like Japan should be able to have nukes and things mm. are all like large concerns. If you're doing like leftist and like Marxist Leninist and stuff organizing there. Well, and it feels like, so this like him specifically talking about like moving towards anti-violence is I think even from like, from this Japanese perspective, from my understanding is even more into mm-hmm like what communists would be talking about there then I think is necessarily true in the U S where like we don't have, even though there's still a certain amount of like, we need to demilitarize. Like we put so much fucking money into the military, Yeah, but it, it just like takes on a very different tone. Yeah. In the U S when, you know, communists talk about like, we need to demilitarize. It's more from this perspective of like, like militarism is just like, in the air in the u.s it's like 
we pay for our water, we pay for gas, we pay for the military. You know, it's yeah. just like a fact of life. It feels it feels so big and so ingrained in everything that it is immutable in a way that like I imagine that feels very different in Japan where there is a military. It's not your military. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, um I imagine that is a much more like thing of debate. Yeah. Um uh that's yeah. all I have. Um, did we get any emails? I don't think we did. I can double I know, check. But I, don't I know think... we we kind of got one. Oh, did we? Um, Zhuo once again exercised his privilege to send me quest- uh, questions over Twitter DMs. Okay. Um, which again, if you do follow my locked account, you can do that. That's mm. sort of the the line I would say. Um, but anyway. Um, Joe was like, I don't know the best way to word this. And I was like, it's fine. I'll, I'll just summarize it anyway. Um, so he was watching Labyrinth of Cinema, um, which is a Obayashi film hmm. um, from 2017 I, or 2019, I guess. So very recent. I thought Obayashi um, died in 2019. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it was like his last movie or something. Um, I'm just like. It might have been 2020. Yeah. Um, anyway, Joe said, um, so basically like having seen house, I would never have expected a director to make a movie like this, which is an anti-war movie, but of course it would be, it would be like this, um, completely wild and imaginative. We just fully kept trying to break it. Are you even going to come in? No. Um, anyway, so yeah, basically like you know, saw house watch this and being like, I never would have expected the director who made house to then make this movie an anti-war movie. But of course it would be like this completely wild and imaginative. I would um, not expect the person who uh, directed house to make a three hour movie. That too. <laughs> um, and then basically said, uh, and was asking if there's any other movie that's made you feel this way of like, in some ways I can totally see that this person made this movie and in other ways I can't. Um, um, I, d- I definitely, um, I probably just had, I've had Paul Thomas Anderson on the brain a little bit, um, because of the new movie coming out. Um, yeah. I have not seen a ton of Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Definitely the first time I, I watched There Will Be Blood and then I like went and looked at the other movies he did. I was like, he made a movie about porn actors. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> um, by the way, Joe also said, I feel like another example of this is Lynch doing a straight story, which is also the title of my autobiography. I want to see that so bad. <laughs> I've not seen it. Um, I want to see it so bad. Yeah, this was one that I, I didn't end up thinking on it as much as I was going to. Um, but I think a big one is because I've just seen a lot of Kurosawa. Um and a, a movie that, like, I can kind of believe that he made it, but I'm still just kind of sur- surprised by it in some ways, is Scandal, which is a movie by Kurosawa Akira. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is... So basically there was, like, uh, newspapers were, were writing some scandal about, like, him sleeping with one of his actresses, and he thought it was ridiculous, and then made a movie about how terrible it is that newspapers, like, invent these scandals, basically. Mm. Um, and I totally buy... Kurosawa is someone who would make a movie where he's mad about, like, 
a scandal that's possibly even real. Mm-hmm. They're like, because also, like, by all accounts, Kurosawa was kind of an asshole and kind of a sexist. Yeah. Um, and so I totally believe that he was sleeping with one of his actresses and then got really mad that people found out and wrote about it in a newspaper and then made a movie about how evil the newspapers are. Um, if, if... The part that surprises me is how bad the movie is. Because <laughs> he did it, like, right after Rashomon or something. If um, you directed a movie uh, between the years of, like, 1949 and 19. 19- 69 there is a 100 percent chance you were sleeping with one of your actresses <laughs> no, every single one of them i i do not believe if any director from that time period is like i was totally not like having affairs with my actresses i just think you're a fucking liar yeah so right he between did, he stray did dog, stray and, dog rashomon. and rashomon <laughs> and right in between he did scandal which is just this awful fucking movie it's his worst movie um and I've seen this propagandist movie about how women need to make bombs for the military effort. So. Um, um, at least that one he made under pressure and it was still interesting to watch. Um, Lem, you are so obnoxious. Was that Ollie? I think that's Ollie. I have a needlessly mean answer uh, to beat it that will just beat a dead horse. Um. I can't believe uh, Miyazaki made Ponyo because I couldn't believe that he made a good movie at that point in his career. <laughs> after After Howl's is just such dog shit, I'm surprised he had another good movie in him. Good on him. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I feel like there are more of these, but there are ones where I won't. I wouldn't even think of it. You know what? Um. This is a recent thing. I, I I've only seen the one Wong Kar Wai movie, so I don't have like a, I didn't have a good idea of like the the breadth of his career. Realizing that he also directed the Grand Master was a big like what <laughs> the like art house Ipman movie. <laughs> yeah, I was um I have not seen the Grand Master. The Grand Master hit when I was working in a movie theater, and I was like. That seems really cool, but it's also long, and I'm seeing all this stuff online about how, like, the the theatrical version that's here in the U.S. is, like, shorter, and you need to go see, like, the real, like, Hong Kong version of this movie. Um, and so I never did see The Grandmaster, but it was just, like, one of those ones that had, like, I was working in a movie theater and had really cool trailers, and um, I, I think The Grandmaster coming out and Eat Mon like the just Donnie Yen like kicking ass movie was on Netflix. And I think that's how I saw that movie. And so then years later being like, Oh, the in the mood for love guy did the grand What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, um, yeah. I need to see the eat mode follow-ups. Uh, all my friends say that the second and third movies are not very good, but that the fourth movie is almost as good as the first movie. So I have like a long Eatmon like trek ahead of me, but I want to go. I want to go down that road so bad. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there there's probably like one or two other movies that I just like. Whenever I remember who directed it, I'm like, I can't believe that person directed that. But then I just go back to forgetting that they did. <laughs> you know. Um. I guess I could do what you're doing and just like I'm scroll scrolling my letterbox. Box. Yeah. Um, you wanna do you wanna fill some time? You wanna, uh, you wanna vamp? I feel 
I I got I just scrolled past Malcolm X on my letterbox page, and I'm sure, I'm positive that Spike Lee has like six of these where you'd be like, Spike Lee made that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a moment, Spike Lee made Chirac, and then like, oh right, Chirac exists and isn't very good. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up movies by David Fincher, because I feel like there's one there. I feel like he's a director that I have this with, but I don't actually remember. Martin Scorsese directed the music video for Bad, remember that? Yeah. <laughs> um, that shit's crazy. Maybe it's not David Fincher. There's some director that's like him that mm-hmm. I always... No, it it is the curious case of Benjamin Button. I just yeah. always forget that was him. I remember that's him mostly because Brad Pitt's in it. And if yeah, if Brad Pitt's starring in a movie, there's like a thirty percent chance it's a David Fincher movie. <laughs> yeah, I also kind of forget about the Social Network, but I just believe that one more for some reason. Yeah. Um. um what was I? I have like a, a a funny story that I might have told before on the podcast that's loosely connected to, to Chirac. Yeah. Um, so the the writer on Chirac and um, Black Klansman uh, is a guy named Kevin Wilmot, who's a um, uh, professor at the University of Kansas. I took a couple of his classes, or I took one of his classes. Um, and... Um, think about this every fucking time i think of him um i had class with him the day that the first trailer for the force awakens hit um and we walk into class and um he he always wore a bulletproof vest on campus because the the state had made it law that you could um carry a gun on campus like a year before I got to KU, I think. Yeah. So um, he always wore a bulletproof vest. And so it gave him, he's like a really funny guy, but you see a dude like wearing a bulletproof vest everywhere it goes. And he gives him like a very serious, like look to him. So it's like pretty early on in like this class I have with him and the star Wars trailer hits. He walks into class. He's got this serious look on his face. He's, wearing the vest, and he sets his stuff down. He looks at us all. He's like, Black people in Star Wars! (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking incredible. That's great. Um, Yeah. I feel like there's more of these if I really really dug, but... um... I think that Martin Scorsese directing a music video for Bad is the best I'm going to come up with. That's yeah. crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. Um. I feel like David Lynch has a number of these just because there's or like stuff that like David Lynch like produced in things too. Hmm. Because he just did weird shit, and again, he like controls what is and isn't available. We had this. We had this a little bit when like we were going to see Naja because we're like David Lynch had like a vampire movie that he worked on in the 90s that we didn't know about (laughs) this is like a black and white vampire movie that's loosely associated with david lynch from the 90s what yeah i feel like it's not stuff that he directed but there's just like weird stuff that gets associated with him in strange ways for me um i mean i also just have this every time i remember that part of the reason um like 
Mulholland Drive, 2001. Big Gap to Inland Empire, 2006. Big Gap to Twin Peaks, 2017. I'm always like, what was he doing during that time? And then I remember he was like touring the globe, selling terrible books about transcendental meditation to suckers. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, that's just always funny when I think about it. Yeah. Um, you any? That was, uh, we, for, that was all. It. That was all we had. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's it for emails. So, next time, first of the two Christmas movies. Well, it was your pick, so first of the two Yule movies. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and then the we, week after is the second of the two Christmas movies. <laughs> yeah, we're we're doing it. We did it this order because the Tuesday that mm-hmm. the Tokyo Godfathers episode will come up for Patreon will be the 21st, which is Winter Solstice. Yeah. So. Um, Tokyo Godfathers next time, uh, and then 2046 mm-hmm. um, by Wong Kar Wai, and then it'll be 2022. Yeah. Crazy. Tokyo Godfathers, another Japanese movie about trans people. Well, I'm, a trans person. I'm fucking hyped. Um, it's a trans Christmas movie. Um, if people do look in the stairwells grade mm-hmm. thing and you click over to, to 2022, I have plotted in a few of the movies that I'm picking. Um, so just in case people want to look ahead, I, I still may end up like watching the two Kwanzaa films. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... Oh my yeah. god, this fucking cat. Right now I have Love Brood in the African plot um, slotted in there. And then also Emma... By Pablo Laron, which I talked about. I don't know if he said his last name correctly. Um, is it like what land? Chilean. Oh, uh, La Rain. La Rain. Um, um, which I, I talked about like a while ago. Yeah, I had seen. Oh yes, I do remember but, you seeing this. Okay, um, okay. It, it's got. I've been thinking about it enough, and that I think I just want to watch it with you and do an actual podcast about it. Yeah. So. Um, and then when we get into February, I already plotted out, uh, we're going to do a bunch of short films mm-hmm. by, uh, Okoswa Adomo Uusu, who I talked about one yeah. of her short films, but we're just going to do like two hours of short films. Cool. Her. So, um, and then we're going to do Ghost in the Shell eventually Yeah. for Ghost Divers. So I've plotted out through that, but there's blanks yeah. for us to fill stuff in. Speaking yeah. of grading... Stairs, if you could click back over to 2021. Oh, yeah, we need to rate the stairwell. We forgot last time to rate the stairwell for Let Me Die a Woman. F minus. Yeah. Only F minus. Yeah. Normally it would just be an F, but we didn't even finish the movie. F minus. F minus. How are we feeling about the stairwell for this movie? Um, There's two choices. Wait. So first, do we want to go look at what I rated it previously? Let's look, or... at, what you, let's look at what you rated it previously. Just okay. to... I was going to be like, or do we want to rate it and then compare after the fact? Um, well, if I have... see it and I decide that I like it. A plus. I would, I might stick with the A plus. I was yeah. maybe going to say just an A, but I'm totally fine with an A plus. Oh my God, cat. Um, yeah, are we going to talk about the stairs? Uh, yeah, I just want this fucking cat to come in. I don't know. Um... Anyway, so there's two stairwell scenes. Um, one is 
Eddie, young Eddie, young pre-transition Eddie, um, has a knife in her hand, and she's like creeping up the stairs, and she's gonna go kill her uh, mom and this guy that her mom is sleeping with. Um, <clears throat> so that's one, and then the second—that's ascending the stairs, you know. And then the second, the descending the stairs is um, then um, at the end after she gouges out her eyes and she's like running down into the street so people can gawk at her. Um, yeah. And you get like this like <laughs> one, you get a handheld shot that like of this moving down the stairs. And two, in this shot at one point, you can see the shadow of a person holding a camera over their shoulder, which is yeah. fucking great. <laughs> Yeah. It's fucking great. Um, I feel like you don't get quite as much of like actual shots of the stairs yeah. in the same way that you could like get a a nicely framed shot of the stairs climbing yeah. up to to you know stab her mother and mother's lover. That's but, what it's all about, yeah. you know. Um but it is going up. Yeah. To stab your mom going down after you stab your eyes out because you realize you slept with your dad. <laughs> George Lucas voice. Uh, it's like, uh, poetry. It, it rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nor does a better George Lucas voice than I do, but... Yeah. Um, you do a really good David... Well, you do a really good Chris Remo doing <laughs> David Lynch doing, um, Gordon Cole. Goop. <laughs> I thought the stairwells... No, I lost it. I, I'm, I'm too self-conscious. I'm, I'm trying to perform. Yeah. Goop. I thought the stairwells in Bara no Soretsu <laughs> were fucking excellent. <laughs> A plus. Yeah. Cherry pie. <laughs> I lost it a little bit on that one. Where can people find you online? People can find me being annoyed at my cat trying to break in yet again, but not even coming in when we open the door. Also at Fox Mom Nia on Twitter. Where do I go if I want to read Garfield? If I want to hear Garfield read aloud? Um, you can go to Garf read aloud on Twitter. <laughs> um, again, I've been bad at it lately, but I'm going to get back on that horse. Um, you find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. You can find all my other podcasts at exportodd.io. Um, Why are you doing this, Adam? Just stay right there. Just stay exactly where you are. Anyway, all my other podcasts at exportodd.io. For a dollar a month, you get um, access to most all the podcasts early. You get this podcast. You get Gotham City Limits. You get Hot Singles. You get... Baggin Book Club. You don't get Ghost Divers. You don't get Ghost but Divers. But you can go to exportodd.io slash Ghost Divers to get the feed. Yeah. That's my podcast. That is your podcast. I didn't talk about it. You didn't talk well, about it. Well, I mentioned it. it earlier, but I didn't talk about it here. Yeah. Um. You can also... that The Patreon also has links to um all the free feeds. So if you go there and you don't you know, budgets are tight or you don't like the podcasts very much, you don't want to give us a dollar, you can still go to exportodd.io and just be like, 
ah, here's the free feed for Stearwell so I can send it to my friend. Here's the free feed for Batman because I have a friend who really likes Batman. You know, that sort yeah. of thing. Um, if you give us $5 a month, you're going to start getting access to a new podcast. We just put it out. The first episode is free. Um, anybody can go to the Patreon and listen to this first episode. It is called Pop Town Funk, um, where my wife and I, Nora, will be rolling random Funko Pops and we'll be you know, watching movies, TV shows, reading books uh, that inspired those Funko Pops. We'll be yeah. exploring the Funko media canon, I think was Nora's phrase. We talked about this extensively on the Let Me Die a Woman yeah. episode, but people maybe just didn't listen to that episode because the movie was bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But people can go and listen to the end of that episode of Stairwells, where yeah. um, I very exasperatedly read all of the Stan Lee names. Yeah. A lot of them are just Stan Lee. There are multiple that are just Stan Lee. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, that is... That is for the $5 patrons at Export Audio. First episode is free. We talked about... We got Andre the Giant. And we talked about the Princess Bride. Uh, second episode, we're going to be recording tomorrow, I believe. Um, we got Max Goof, and so we're going to be watching a Goofy movie. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a good, good time. Movie. I like that I, movie. I'm, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I like that movie. I am excited to see that movie because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. And uh, I am excited because at some point there's going to be a lot of suffering for this podcast. But you're not there yet. We're not there yet. We've got yeah. two good movies to start the show off. Yeah. Um, but sooner or later, we're going to have to... The problem is not watching one Harry Potter movie. It's a given. We're going to have to watch one Harry Potter movie. It's not watching a Marvel movie. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. Statistically, it will happen. The problem is that we're going to have to keep watching Marvel movies <laughs> and we're going to continue to watch many Marvel movies <laughs> yeah and that will suck ass <laughs> yeah um how's it feel to have started a Marvel movie podcast bad <laughs> but um, a, a Marvel movie podcast in a random order because if we get Ant-Man as our first Marvel character we're not watching the Incredible Hole. We're not yeah. watching Iron Man. We're going to watch Ant-Man. So we're yeah. doing an MCU podcast in a totally random order. That um, might occasionally be intercut with episodes about Rick and Morty. Or, <laughs> or Ghibli movies. Probably we'll have to talk about Spirited Away at some point. And I'm going to be like, I already did a podcast about this. <laughs> um, I want to roll back to something that you said earlier. Which is, if you don't have the money to to subscribe to Export Audio, um, that's fine. We understand. You know, there's a free feed. This is a... You're talking about, like, an exclusive thing, and people might feel like they're missing out. But, like, we appreciate everyone who listens. Mm -hmm. um, if you're listening to this episode but don't like this podcast and don't want to give us money even though you're loaded, fuck you. <laughs> give us money. <laughs> Just wanted to say that on the podcast. If you don't like this podcast, but got all the way to the end and you are loaded, you still probably just owe us money. <laughs> okay, especially Weird. if you're sis. <laughs> I'm just who who would be listening to this part of the podcast? 
doesn't like the podcast and would be like, I'm not going to give a dollar because I don't like like the podcast. <laughs> Whoever that person is, like, find a better use of your time. If you don't like this podcast, don't listen. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. You could be watching Marvel movies right now or whatever it is. You're like... <laughs> I thought I was the one who usually had an antagonistic relationship to the listeners, but all right. I'm having an antagonistic relationship specifically to the listeners who don't like this podcast. You invented listening. a guy. <laughs> you invented the guy. I'm just responding to the existence of that guy that you implied. <laughs> You're inventing a guy to get mad at. <laughs> You invented the guy, I'm just getting mad at the guy that you invented. Which is someone who doesn't like the podcast and doesn't want to subscribe to the Patreon for that reason. But is listening to this. You invented that guy. Okagoro is real. Okagoro is real. The virginal bride 
you don't like the podcasts very much, you don't want to give us a dollar, you can still go to exportodd.io and just be like, ah, here's the free feed for Steerwell so I can send it to my friend. <laughs> You're inventing a guy to get mad at. <laughs> <laughs> meow, meow.